and slayers this is mixtress ray and you're listening to what's this bitch talking about to which the answer to that question is every episode of buffy the vampire slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date hi how are you guys um it's been a few weeks um this is our only episode that we get to talk about in the month of december um and okay just to get the business stuff out of the way let me pull out my my mini wolf calendar for 2021. <laughs> um, so we'll have another two weeks off and then we'll get to talk about the episode Triangle on the 9th of January. So that's, and we'll have three episodes of Buffy, no, two episodes of Buffy to talk about in January, several episodes to talk about in February. Then we'll have March off. Anyway, we don't have to talk about that far ahead, but <laughs> anyway, so this will be the last, this will be the last Buffy episode to talk about in all of 2020. Um, most likely I won't have another episode unless I just like really feel like putting something out there between now and then. Um, but as always, no promises. I may just not be back until January 9th after today. This is kind of a sad one. Like, I don't know. This is just sort of a lackluster episode to talk about as the only episode in an entire month and the last one to talk about in 2020. Like, I don't know. Like, you guys can see how long this episode ended up being. So obviously I'll find a way to talk about it for a while. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty lackluster about talking about this episode tonight. Um, hold on a second. I just had the sudden urge to take off all of my jewelry and <laughs> not that I needed to tell you guys, hold on a second, but you know, I'm a process queen. I tell you everything that's going on right now. So in the interest of telling you everything that's going on right now, I have, I am recording at night um, today, what time is it? Like eight thirty nine, something like that. Eight fifteen. So it's not even that late. Let me silence my phone just in case somebody tries to text me or some shit. Okay. I've got four candles lit in my little closet space and I have two, three strands of light lit in here. <laughs> I have two like short LED strands that you have to like turn on with a little battery pack. So I turned both of those on and then there's a string of lights that's always on in my um, little room in here. I never turn them off. Um, so some nice ambient light, nice and just a nice atmosphere going here. So we can talk about, um, let's start with the Angel episode that aired on the same night. I've got a little glass of wine, little mason jar, baby mason jar full of wine. Um, and I didn't spill it all over everything this time. Yay for that. Did you guys know that like you can get like nice wine for cheap prices at Aldi? <laughs> really awesome. Like one of my favorite kinds of wine 
is um, I think it's Chilean wine or maybe it's sometimes made in Spain and sometimes in Chile, but um, oh my God, I know nothing about geography. What if Chile is in Spain? I don't even know. Sorry, guys. I am uneducated on that point. I think it's like, it's like a spicy Spanish wine and it's called Tempranillo. It's one of my very favorites. I really like, um, whenever I go to like the fancy, it's not even really that fancy, but like if I go to like a liquor store that has like a bunch of wine, I usually then has them separated by country. I always go to like the Argentinian section or I, in my particular store in my town, it's like, um, the Spanish wines and the Argentinian wines and like the Chilean wines are all like right next to each other. And that's pretty much the only section I want to go to. <laughs> I just get like spicy, dark red wines from that section, but they're usually like a little bit expensive, so I don't get them that often. But um, I just discovered that my local Aldi has Tempranillo for $5. And it was like a 2016. So like wine's supposed to get better with age, right? So it's like a four-year-old Tempranillo for $5. Like, yes, please. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. Um... Let's see. Okay. Let's talk about the Angel episode that aired on the same night. Okay. First of all, just a little bit of business. It's going to be a little bit weird. I don't know exactly how I'm going to tackle it yet, but starting with the new year, when we're talking about the episodes 20 years later, Buffy's still going to be like every Saturday night. But Angel at that point, I think, had jumped to a new network, or Buffy did, and he didn't. I don't know. But his, like, the Angel show was going to be, like, airing on a different night, and they're not always, like, up until this point, anytime there's an Angel episode, there's a Buffy episode on the same night. And if there's not a Buffy episode, there's not an Angel episode either. It's always been both of them are on the exact same night. But starting next year, that will no longer be the case. Like, sometimes there'll be an Angel episode on a week that there isn't a Buffy episode. So, like, we'll probably just have to take it as we go, unless you guys have a specific opinion on how you want me to do it. If you do, just send me an email at mixtressray at protonmail. Or I have my Instagram up again, so you could just send me a message on Instagram as well. My Instagram is under mixtressray, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E. So let me know if you have a particular opinion about how you want me to do that going forward, but most likely I'll still talk about the episodes together. So unless there's a situation where there's like an Angel episode on a night that there isn't a Buffy episode, like I may just, whenever that happens, I may just spend more time on that particular Angel episode and talk about it by its, I don't know. I don't know how I want to do it. Um, let me know if you guys have an opinion on that. Okay. Um, so the angel episode is called reunion. So let's just talk about that first. So this is happening. This is kind of clunky because it, I guess they didn't know that there was going to be several weeks between this episode and the one that aired right before it, because, um, previously on angel, the very last thing that we saw 
like three weeks ago was Drusilla swooping into Darla's like dingy motel room and Angel getting restrained by some Wolfram and Hart guys while Drusilla turns Darla into a vampire right in front of him. So, um, we pick up like right where that left off in this episode and essentially just the whole plot of the episode is just Drusilla takes Darla like she's dead now. So, and she's gonna, they are kind of unclear on how the whole turning into a vampire thing works on Buffy. Like, I feel like they're not super consistent with how you're born into darkness in this particular vampire mythology. But in this specific scenario, it's like she gets killed on one night and then the next night she resurrects. Um, so that is what happens. Drusilla takes her to like some kind of plant nursery and, um, has her like in like this beautiful white, like burial gown type thing. And she keeps talking about her grandmother's birth. Like she alternates between calling her grandma and daughter because she has just turned her into a vampire. But originally Darla sired Angel and Angel sired Drusilla. So that's why she's calling her grandma and daughter because, <laughs> you know, Drusilla's crazy. So it's great to see Drusilla again. And honestly, I kind of enjoyed this episode of Angel more than I enjoyed the episode of Buffy. But it's still not a great episode. Like really the only parts of this episode of Angel that I even enjoyed were the parts with Darla and Drusilla. And I don't even like Darla, but I think this is really the only instance of Darla that I do like is when she's being bad with Drusilla, which I think we only probably get to see like a couple of episodes of that. Um, so this is the first one of those, like whenever she resurrects, she kind of, at first she's mad at Drusilla and she starts like beating her up and shit. And then she just, I, I don't know, like changes her mind. <laughs> I don't understand the like moodiness of Darla when she wakes up, um, as a vampire. Like at first she's really pissed off and she's taking it all out on Drusilla. And then she just suddenly decides, oh, okay, I understand why you did this. And then they hold hands and trot off into the sunset, killing people on the way. It's, it's kind of fun because like, you get to see them sort of like holding each other and holding hands and, and walking down the street gleefully to see like, you know, women caring about each other at all, even though in the context of Angel, it really feels like they were pandering. They were doing like the les a lesbian thing to pander to male audiences. It really felt like a male gazy lesbian thing, the way that they were just sort of like, you know, hugging each other with Drusilla's hand on Darla's ass. And like, you know, it seemed a little pandery, but it was still fun to see just like anything we can get with, especially on Angel, where you don't even get very many female characters on Angel at all. It's nice to see like female characters talking to each other about something other than a man. Hey, this episode probably passes the Bechdel test. It has to because Darla and Drusilla interact a lot. And, and a lot of the time they're talking about 
you know, why Darla was made into a vampire, who they want to kill next, what they what dresses look good on them, that kind of stuff. So they're definitely talking about things other than men. So it was kind of a fun episode in that sense, and because I always I'm a Slytherin, so I do take joy in watching you know femme fatales and villainesses like doing wreaking havoc. I'm into it. I always have been. Mom's like, who hurt you? <laughs> but my mom is like, she doesn't get my whole villainous thing, but whatever. I've always, like ever since the first, my first like villainous love moment is when I saw Carrie for the first time in like sixth or seventh grade. That was my like, okay. <laughs> Like the first thing that I saw that I felt like I was seeing a character that I could relate to <laughs> was Carrie White, but whatever. Did you guys know that I'm telekinetic? Yes, I can totally move things with my mind. Okay, so let me actually read some of my notes here. Um, Yeah, it was just like, I don't know, this episode, like the, really the only good moments were Drusilla and Darla and like... This whole, like, Angel is putting on this super darkness bullshit that he's doing. I don't understand all of it. Like, he's really trying to drive a wedge in between himself and everyone else. And he's just being super tragic and super awful. And, like, at the end of the episode, he... So he comes upon, like, the the main, the, like, head guy at Wolfram and Hart is having, like, a wine tasting in his, like, wine cellar that used to be a bomb shelter and a whole bunch of his, it's like a work party. So a whole bunch of evil Wolfram, Wolfram and Hart people are in his wine cellar and Drusilla and Darla have them all cornered. So it's a bunch of humans and they have them cornered and they're about to eat them all. And Angel shows up and, of course, all the Wolfram and Hart people think that he's there to save them. But instead, he closes the doors and locks them in. He locks Drusilla and Darla in with the um, with all the Wolfram and Hart people. And then he goes... So that, that's the very end of the episode, so I'm jumping way ahead. But then he goes back to Angel Investigations and he tells... Wesley, Cordelia, and Gunn what he did. And they're, of course, like, okay, we're really worried about you. Like, I know they're evil and everything, but they're still humans. Like, this is not like you. Why would you do this? Um, I think you're, you're really going into the dark side, and it's been happening for a while. And, like, and then he's just like, they say something to him like, I feel like we're your only ties to like keeping you from completely falling off the deep end. And he basically just says, you're right. You're all fired. And that's how the episode ends. So I can't remember like what I think we're supposed. I think later we find out that, like, he was doing this to, like, protect them, or he kind of, he had a plan of some kind. I think we're going to find out he has some sort of plan, but it really just looks super dark and twisted that he would just be like, you know what? I'm done with you guys. I'm done with all my ties to humanity. Like, my obsession with Darla has completely taken over 
everything. Like, he's being more distracted than he ever was about Buffy, but we're supposed to think that he loves Buffy the most, which, whatever. Um, just this whole angel being distracted by Darla thing is just becoming so exhausting, and it's been the entire season. Like, Darla's essentially the big bad, or, or maybe, like, all of season two, we're just supposed to be worried about Angel turning into Angelus. Is that what they want us to be worried about? I don't know what this show is trying to do, but I don't think I'm with them where they want me to be. I don't know. Um, so yeah, let me just look at my notes and see if there's anything else I want to bring up. Sexy tartan sweater, Wesley. So if I were doing like who had the best outfit for Angel episodes, I would give it to Wesley for this particular episode because he was wearing this sort of like olive green, like tartan v-neck sweater. He did have a white t-shirt under it. It would have been sexier if he didn't have the white t-shirt. Like maybe we could see a little little peak of chest hair through the, through, you know, I love a little peak of chest hair through a nice cozy v-neck sweater on a guy, you know, I'm into it. <laughs> um, but we didn't get that. Um, but, oh, there was like a rape joke. Oh yes. Okay. I have to bring that up. So when Darla was like, she was like laying on some sort of slab inside this nursery and she was wearing her pretty white dress and she was still dead. She hasn't, she hadn't woken up yet. Um, and it was this whole ritualistic thing for her birth into vampirism, which I thought was cool. Like if I was going to be turned into a vampire, I would want Drusilla to be my mommy for sure. <laughs> to be my vampire mommy. <laughs> Cause she did it right. She made the ambiance real nice for Darla to wake up to. Anyway, so she was, and Lindsay was there for some reason, and then um, Lila came in, and she, right after she got there, her first comment to Lindsay was, oh, you think you might actually have a chance with her right now? Um, and then she said something like, I, I won't stop you, or I won't get in your way, or like something like that implying that he could rape her right now while she's dead like what was that why was that why why that was awful um uh, i'm just looking at my notes cordelia there was this little sidetrack where like as they were on their way um, Angel, Wesley, Cordelia, and Gunn were all on their way to, like, go try to stop Drusilla and Darla, try to catch up with them, and as they were, like, in the car, and Angel's driving super erratically and, like, just being really reckless and awful, Cordelia starts having a vision, and at first, like, Angel's not gonna go. He's, like, he doesn't give a shit about her vision that has nothing to do with what he is currently obsessed with, which is Darla. Like, he almost didn't go. Um, he almost didn't heed her vision. And so she, but she gets him to go. She, like, gives him, like, the Cordelia, Cordelia death stare. And he goes. And so he turns the car around and 
they go like basically the vision was to stop this guy from killing himself or something so they go in and angel's just like real real like snippy and trite and like just essentially takes the bullets out of his gun and like sabotages his way to kill himself but he doesn't like talk to that person as a human being he doesn't really give a shit about him at all he's like okay i prevented him from killing himself let's fucking go now and so it, angel's just being awful just constantly awful i don't know how he's supposed to come back i don't remember how this goes i mean i've seen the series two other times i'm pretty sure and I don't remember how this goes. I just remember him really isolating himself a lot through a chunk of the season. And then somehow they all get back together by the end. Somehow he decides that they are his family and he shouldn't be isolated from them. And like, he gets like extra, I mean, you'd think he's, how could he get any broodier? But I think he gets broodier for a while and like, ugh, like whatever. Anyway, um... We do get a little moment with Kate in this episode, like, at one point, for some reason, Angel's getting arrested by Wolfman Hart, and so he's getting, like, taken, he's handcuffed, and he gets put in a police car, and Kate is in the backseat of the police car whenever he gets in there, and she just unlocks his handcuffs and lets him go, and so this is, like, the very first time she's been cooperative with him or nice to him at all since I think she found out he was a vampire, maybe. Um, she's been real salty with him for a while now. But, um, so that little moment happens. I think we get more time with Kate during this sort of period where he's isolated from Cordelia Gunn and Wesley after he fires them. But I don't know. I'm just sort of exhausted thinking about Angel right now. Like, I know you guys probably don't care one way or another if I watch it. I, I have no plans to stop watching it because, like, I do sort of enjoy the... I do sort of enjoy the ritual of, like, watching it. But starting next year when the Angel episodes aren't necessarily going to be on the same night with Buffy. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. It seems really like kind of strange the way that it's done. I don't necessarily see the pattern, but so we'll see how it is going forward. Like if I do want to keep watching Angel, um, I know for a fact, okay, definitely let me know if you guys, I'm not really thinking about quitting Angel, but definitely let me know how you guys feel about it if you have a strong feeling about it. But I will tell you one thing, if I do for some reason decide that I don't want to talk about Angel anymore, I will come back for season five of Angel. So season five of Angel airs the year after Buffy ends. So at the very least, and Spike ends up on Angel that last season, and in my memory, season five of Angel is the best season of Angel. And I'm going to make my mom watch that season too. So prepare yourself, mom. <laughs> but I think she's going to like it. Um, I, I remember really enjoying season five of Angel because I think, I don't know. Anyway, no matter what, in order to prolong this podcast another year, 
once we're done talking about every episode of Buffy 20 years later, we'll have another year to talk about Angel um, 20 years later. So I'm definitely going to do that, even if I stop talking about Angel in the meantime. But I mean, I don't think I'm going to. Anyway, I need to, like, actually keep my fucking discussions of Angel shorter because, like, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about it that long, but it's already been 23 minutes, so. So that was the episode of Angel. He's cut himself off from his people, and he's being super awful. Okay, let's talk about Buffy Into the Woods. This is the one where I haven't gotten out any of my Buffy guides tonight, and I don't feel like it, so there. This is the one where, um... Riley leaves. So, um, we start the episode with everyone, again, it's picking up right where the last episode left off. So I think they probably had no idea that there was going to be so much time between the airing of these two episodes. Because at the very end of the last episode of Buffy, we saw Joyce being wheeled into the operating room to get her um, tumor removed from her brain. She was headed into brain surgery. And so the first scene of this episode of Buffy is everybody's there. Like Willow, Giles, Xander. Um, I don't know if Anya's there. She may... I can't remember if Anya's in this first scene or not. Um, but Tara's inexplicably missing again. Like there's no mention of her at all. She's not in this episode at all. Again, which I fucking hate that shit. But anyway, she's not here at all, but everybody else is just waiting. And apparently, and Dawn's there too, of course, and Riley. And, um, so they're just waiting for a surgery to be out and they all look like, I mean, I don't know how long it's supposed to have been. They didn't state that, but it looks like maybe like it's taking a long time and they're all very anxious about it and looking at the clock every two seconds. And then the, um, the doctor comes down the hall and he tells everybody the great news that he was able to get the entire tumor out. So barring any complications with recovery, she should be fine. So everybody's very, very happy, rejoicing, and for some reason, and they're all hugging each other, but for some reason, Xander and Giles don't hug because men don't hug or something? Like, what is that? Like, why was there, they made, like, a point to show, like, Xander and Giles almost hug each other, but then they stop and, like, shake hands instead, and, like, what is that? And that's not the first time something like that has happened on Buffy. Like, I think almost every time two men almost hug they stop and like shake hands and they're like uh do we hug i, I guess we don't hug because because we're men like it's almost always a thing on buffy that like it, it's like they look like they want to but they stop themselves for i don't understand that shit but whatever and then um and then we cut to Anya and Xander are babysitting Dawn for the night. And because Riley and Buffy want her entire house to themselves so they can have sex. <laughs> and so then we get like the, um, the scene of Buffy talking about how she's so relaxed and there's candlelight all over the place and they're like slow dancing in the living room or some bullshit, which I don't know. <sighs> There's just, unfortunately, like, y'all know I love to, like, you know, give Riley the benefit of the doubt. I love to, like, you know, 
be an advocate for Riley since I know almost everybody in the Buffy fandom fucking hates Riley. And I'm always, I'm always down to defend an underdog. <laughs> but my God, those two actors, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Mark Lucas, who plays Riley, have just no chemistry at all whatsoever. I mean, this is coming from someone who identifies as gray sexual. So I, like, what do I know about sexual chemistry, right? But honestly, like, there's nothing between them. Like, their sex, and they show, like, them having sex, kind of, um, and it's just very weird. Buffy's just, like, sort of, like, super wide-eyed, staring into Riley's eyes, and it's all, like, silent, and they're just sort of breathing a little bit heavy, and it's just... Maybe this is supposed to look awkward, but even when it was supposed to look sexy last season when we saw them, like, the first time they did it or whatever, when Delirium was playing in the background and, like, Riley was seductively taking off Buffy's boot, you know? Like, even then, like, they just, they don't have it together. Like, poor Mark Lucas, like I've said many times. I have not seen him acting in any other roles, but I'm sure he becomes a better actor because I'm pretty sure this was his first job. But right now, he 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 don't got it right now, <laughs> at least in this role. Maybe this role was just not good for him. But anyway, so they've got no chemistry and we have to see them having sex. And that was painful. Um, do, 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 do. And so as soon as it's over, Buffy looks like she just like kind of falls asleep and rolls over. And then Riley, you know, looks like he can't sleep. So he gets up and cut to Spike is leaning up against the tree in the front yard, smoking cigarettes, looking up at Buffy's window. And he knows that Riley's in there and he knows that they're having sex, I guess. And he's feeling jealous. And God, it's creepy. It's just so creepy. Like, I know we all love Spike, but it needs to be acknowledged early and often that he is creepy as fuck. So he sees Riley leave the house and he decides to follow him. And he sees him go into, like, you know, some trashy-looking house. Um, next day, Buffy's at the hospital talking to her mom, talking about wigs, even though Joyce has one tiny patch of hair missing, so she doesn't need a wig. <laughs> like, And Joyce is just sort of like, yeah, I think I'll stick with scarves, which why wouldn't you if all you had was one little patch of hair missing in the front? Like, you're going to probably not try to wear a wig, but whatever. Um, she could just get, you know, some nice extensions to, like, comb over that bald patch or something. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not sure why this conversation was even there, except to just show that, you know, Joyce is feeling better. You know, she's awake. She's doing okay. And um, she's kind of encouraging Buffy to, like go about her life. You don't have to hang out with me at the hospital all the time. Like, do your thing. Um, and then there was this weird joke about, like, Buffy almost said something about Riley coming over to, like, have sex or something. And then she stops herself and she said something about Bible study. And then Joyce is like, well, it's good that you're spending some quality time with the Lord. <laughs> And, like, obviously she knows, like, they both know what they're really talking about, but it was just a funny little moment. Um, and then, 
<laughs> and and it's obvious, you know, the way that she talks about Riley is kind of strange. Um, and they've been pointing that out for a while now. And you see it in this scene, too, with Joyce, because she says, you know, like Joyce says something to her, like, well, you should go hang out with Riley or something. Maybe he can take you to a movie. And like, you've been, you've been spending all your time taking care of me. And like, I want you to go about your life now because I'm better. And um, then uh, Buffy says, I gave Riley the day off. <laughs> and Joyce is like, I don't think he sees you as a chore, Buffy. <laughs> I gave Riley the day off. And uh, this is kind of jumping ahead, but like Xander's lecture later in, in the episode, like when he's trying to talk Buffy into going after Riley and stopping him from leaving, he says something to the effect of like, I think you take for granted that Riley's going to show up when you want him to and leave when you don't want him around, like show up when you want him around and leave when you don't. Um, and that was pretty poignant. Did I say that right this time, mom? <laughs> poignant <laughs> like poinsettia <laughs> um anyway let's see where are we okay really the day off okay this is another creepy moment so this is like the night after the buffy riley sexcapades um <laughs> that weren't at all sexy <laughs> Buffy like wakes up and Spike is in his her motherfucking bedroom. He's in her motherfucking bedroom. And Buffy's like sleeping naked or something. Like maybe if like Buffy doesn't normally sleep naked, you know? That's weird. Like we know that Buffy doesn't sleep naked. So unless maybe because Joyce wasn't home again yet, maybe she was just feeling her oats and felt like sleeping naked. I don't you know, I don't want to be judgy towards people that want to sleep naked. I guess Buffy would be the type of person that would maybe sleep naked, but I, I find it strange. It always kind of freaks me out when I find out that somebody sleeps naked. Like, no shade if you do. Like, if you're comfortable with that, just, like, ignore me being ridiculous over here. But I don't get it. Like, I think I tried once and it just felt too strange. Like, I don't want to get some strange discharge on the bed or something. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry, guys. But, you know, when you got a vajayjay. <laughs> sorry. Just made it worse. Okay. Um, Let's just segue right out of that and move on. So, Spike's in her motherfucking bedroom, which is creepy as fuck. Like, for some reason, that never, like, really registered with me as being creepy until this time watching it. And I was just, like, I think I even, like, sort of jumped a little bit. Like, ah, oh, God, why is he in her bedroom? Like, no, this is wrong. Um, but he's there because he's like, I need to show you something. So, um, he leads her to the like the vampire flop house or whatever where like I didn't realize that this is what was happening like I knew that like humans were going there and there was some sort of consensual thing where vampires were feeding off of them without killing them like I and that they were making some sort of junkie association um with this practice like I, I knew that much but I didn't remember the detail that like later Anya explains that like this has been happening for centuries that um, people will humans will pay vampires to suck their blood because they get off on the rush 
And so vampires, like, they get the best out of this deal. They can feed on people without killing them, and they get paid for it. Like, I don't see why this is not a practice that is more prevalent. Like, this is really the only plot line that we ever see with this kind of thing happening. Like, I mean, I guess in the sense that, like, in Vampire Mythology of Buffy, when you become a vampire, you lose your soul. So therefore, you don't care to spare human beings' lives. So that's why this practice isn't done more. But to me, it just seems like a perfect solution to, like, you can be a vampire without harming anyone. Like, and you get paid for it? Because vampires, I mean, it's hard to get a job if you're a vampire, you know? <laughs> Like, this seems like the perfect solution. Why is this not done more? But, like, anyway, whatever. So he leads her there, and so she sees Riley. He's getting, as as um, Spike describes it later, how does he, he calls it a suck job from two-bit trolls. And it was spelled in the subtitles T-R-U-L-L. -L. I've never heard that before. Like, at first, I just thought he was, like, saying trollop, but shorter. So maybe troll is just a different way to say trollop? I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to look it up because I don't feel like it. So there. <laughs> um, so Buffy's, of course, very shocked. She runs all the way home. So we, we get, like, a little split shot of, like, Riley doesn't really try to go after her. So, I found that a little strange. Like, I don't know. I, like, do you guys find that strange? I find it strange that he, I mean, he kind of, like, ran after her a little bit, but whenever he noticed that she was just gone, he just went home. And he didn't try to call her or go after her or anything. I find that odd. Like, wouldn't you immediately want to go have that out? Like, I feel like he's, this is one of a couple of different actions throughout this episode that make me think he was done. Like, even if Buffy had caught up to him at the end of the episode, like, he was done. Like, when you're done, you're done, as my mom used to say, <laughs> um, or probably still says. Um, I think he's done. You know, like, he doesn't go after her because he doesn't see the point. And he only goes to talk to her like an hour before midnight, which is the time that he's going to be having to make the decision whether or not to take off with his military friends the next day. Um, so anyway, when he goes home, so you see like a little split image of like Buffy coming home, going into her bedroom and just like being shocked and uh, Riley also going home and coming into his bedroom and in his bedroom are all these military guys including Graham and they're like um, they're like we have a mission for you like it's deep undercover no contact with civilians we leave at midnight tomorrow night think about it show up if, if you want to come or whatever and um, yeah I don't know why I said and. Like, I don't know what the rest of that sentence was going to be. Um, 
I liked this little moment where, like, um, we're in the magic shop and Anya is talking, who ordered more chicken's feet? They're not moving off the shelf. Like, maybe we could do a promotion where we give away a chicken's foot, a chicken foot with every, um, (laughs) with every purchase. And, um, Giles says something like, um, Mary Tykes curled up by the fire playing with their chicken's feet. I'm talking about Christmas. Um, and then Willow's like, yes, and then they can clutch them tight as they lay in bed and paint their little toenails. And I guess this is supposed to be them making fun of Anya, but I just thought it was just cute. <laughs> I don't know. Clutching their little chicken's feet and painting their toenails. Um yeah, so I really liked um Giles has like a sign up in like a banner up in the magic shop that says, I think I wrote down kind of what it said. It said, don't forget winter solstice, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa. And there was like something else listed on there too. Like a couple other like Christmas time related holidays are coming. Like, you know, buy all your witchy friends, all their witchy goods. Um, it was cute. Like, and Giles made some sort of offhanded comment about like, I don't remember exactly what he said, but basically like, you know, lamenting that he is now a part of the capitalist bullshit that is Christmas, which can we all just, let's take a deep breath together and remember that we are in the middle of a pandemic. So a couple of things, like I'm not going to get on a soapbox right now, but my Michael and I decided to go to like an antique store today. Like, wearing masks, of course, there's a mask mandate in my town, but, like, there were so many people, there weren't that many people in the actual antique shop that we went to, but then we tried to go to, like, get groceries, but then we quickly decided we were not going to attempt to go into Target on this day, not on tonight, and we ended up going to, like, a little hippie grocery store, but even there, it was super packed, and, like, um... It was just, oh God. So, and then I come, so it was just like, like the mall parking lot. And I, I have like a, I live in like a small town and, um, like the mall parking lot, even during non-pandemic normal times, it's a gigantic parking lot. There's never like cars everywhere, but today, the Saturday before Christmas, there's, there were like almost the entire parking lot was full. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys. (laughs) Like we weren't thinking about going to the mall or anything. It was just, we were driving through the mall parking lot to get to Target before we realized we're not even going to fucking try to go into Target right now because it was just insanity. And and Michael just made the comment like we were driving through the mall parking lot. Yeah, no, that's how you get COVID. (laughs) I mean, even in non-pandemic times, Something about the stale air of the mall. Like, sometimes I get kind of sick just going to the mall in general. <laughs> um, yeah. No. No, 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 no. Um, so, okay. This is, I don't know what my public service announcement is here, but just like, and then I come home and I get like, so I was on Instagram or something and I saw a post from a postal worker talking about how he's worked with the postal service, he or she, I don't know, 
um, has worked with the postal service for 25 years and they've never seen like they've never been as busy as they are right now. Like something about like typically in a day you deliver like 50 to a hundred packages, but right now it's been like 250 or more in a day and they're working like 12 hour shifts and all this stuff. So it's like, if you play it safe and stay home and order things online to be delivered to you to give us gifts on Christmas, this Christmas, then you're, you're keeping yourself safe, but you're like overburdening postal workers. And then if you go out into the world, then you're endangering yourself and others. And it's just like, it's too bad that as a society, we couldn't have collectively decided, hey, let's not be capitalist pigs this year. How about that? <laughs> um, which, just so you guys know, like, this is coming from a person that I buy myself shit all the time. In the last week, I have gotten packages delivered on my porch, whether they're gifts for other people or gifts for myself to me from me. Um, Almost every day this week, I got a package, in fact. <laughs> so I am not coming from a place of let's all be good and not be capitalist pigs, okay? Like, I'm not sitting over here, like, not doing the capitalist thing because I'm absolutely participating in it. And I'm absolutely guilty of, like, all the things that, you know, like, I'm trying to convince myself, oh, shit. Like, when I saw that post, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, of course, I was already thinking about the postal workers, but, like, to actually, like, see someone saying, like, how insane it is right now for them. And they're working 12-hour days and they're doing the best that they can. But even under them doing the very, very best that they can, people are, like, there's a lot of delays and stuff. And people are being assholes about it. And, like, anyway. And I just, it made me want to be, like, oh, if I had the self-control to not order anything to be delivered to me for like a few months just to like just to not be a person that's contributing to the stress of postal postal workers right now god if I could do that like anyway <laughs> I just I don't know what I'm trying to say except that man Christmas time is fucking stressful and I am a person that I buy like like legit I have 10 presents maybe to wrap I haven't wrapped anything yet. So I haven't, like, I got one gift for my sister, one for my nephew, um, a few for my mom and a few for my Michael and like one for my, for my grandma. And that's it. That's literally the entire list. I don't get a whole bunch of shit for people like, because I can't afford it. And I also just, I don't really like obligatory gift giving. I have like a whole rant about obligatory gift giving that I've probably told on this podcast before. So I'll try not to go into it right now, but I, even me, like I don't have that much to give, but every single person like is participating in capitalism much more right now, um, because of Christmas and I don't know. I guess I just wish that it wasn't such a thing. Like I would, I don't know. <laughs> I think I just worry that like cases of COVID cases are going to go way up right now because of Christmas because, and I get it because like, you know, we've been, 
as a society, as a planet, we've been like trying so hard to be good and like keeping our distance from each other and blah, blah, blah. But like the fatigue of that has really, really set in for a lot of people, me included. Um, but I mean, like at least like the vaccine is starting to go out. Like, um, one of my good friends, Angie is, um, she's a nurse and she just got her shot like yesterday. So I'm so glad that it's like, it's going out to people already. And like, yeah, it'll probably be months before like, you know, some regular schmo like me gets it. But like, still, I'm glad that it's, there, it feels like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say right now. I'm not trying to say anything. Let's just fucking go back to talking about this. Sorry, I'm very weird right now, guys. I am, I've been having some strange hormonal fluctuations <laughs> and I'm currently in sort of like a, I'm kind of manic, but at the same time, I'm super low energy. So I don't, I don't, I'm a little insane right now. I think that's what it is. Remember that? Like, did you guys watch SNL last weekend where like Kate McKinnon was just sort of like, she was doing her role as that like doctor that was like, we don't know this. We don't, we know this. We don't know this. She was doing that role in the weekend update segment and she just sort of like lost her shit. <laughs> and they were asking her, are you okay, Kate? Like, totally just broke character. And she's like, no, we don't notice. <laughs> she was just like, no, I'm not okay. I feel like I'm kind of in that cracking up sort of space right now. Only I don't do it in as charming of a way as Kate McKinnon. But, okay, let's go back to talking about this fucking episode. Okay. So, then we get, okay, the quote of the episode is, like, so Anya, in this moment, after they've just, like, talked about the chicken's feet and stuff, um, made the jokes about the chicken's feet, um, Anya was like, um, oh, make fun of the, the ex-demon. I'm sure you're just saying, I dislike that Anya. She's newly human and strangely literal. <laughs> so that's the quote of the episode. I dislike that Anya. She's newly human and strangely literal. I like it. I think there's an, there's an eyeshadow. There's a company that has eyeshadows that are based on Buffy. And one of them I think is called newly human and strangely literal. That's like the color title of one of the eyeshadows on this, with this particular makeup company. Um, Buffy brown leather pants. Okay. So she storms into the magic shop. She's wearing like, she's wearing fighting pants. Okay. She's got her brown leather fighting pants on and she comes in and she's like, there's a vamp nest downtown. And like, um, people, humans were, were getting like fed on by vampires and blah, blah, blah. And, um, she decides that she needs to go down there and like attack right now. And are you guys coming with me or not? I'm surprised that she even like went to ask them to come with her, but she does. And they're like, Buffy, you're being a little nuts right now, but okay. And they, they back her up and they go with her and leave Anya at the, at the store. And she's happy to, to run it by herself. Um, and everybody has cleared out. They're gone from the house, from the, like the, the junkie house 
And um, so Buffy, Buffy just burns the place down. And so they all see her do this shit. She's being crazy. And um, then we get a scene between Spike and Riley. Like Riley breaks into Spike's house to confront him or his tomb or whatever. And um, mausoleum? Crypt. That's what they call it. Crypt. To his crypt. And they, um, he like stakes Spike, but it's some sort of like fake wood. So it doesn't, it hurts, but it doesn't actually stake him. And then they drink together and kind of commiserate over like, basically Riley just asks Spike, so you're in love with her too? And he's like, yeah, do you think you have a chance with her? And Spike's like, no, I don't. Um, and then he talks about being jealous of Riley and they're like throwing a bottle of whiskey or something back and forth, drinking from it. Um, I got like a little moment of like odd jealousy, like, God, do you remember the days? Like, not that I've really ever, I mean, I guess I've probably passed a bottle of whiskey back and forth with people. Yeah, I have. I've done that. Um, I had like a strange moment of jealousy in this scene because I was like do you remember when you used to be able to like drink from a bottle and then like um like I even like just stupid innocuous crap where you'd like order a beer at a restaurant or something and like you would offer a sip to a friend who's wanted to try that particular beer or whatever and like just drinking after people and not worrying about it I had like a little moment of like Oh, remember we used to be able to drink after each other without worrying about it? Like, will we ever be back there again? Will we ever, post-pandemic, stop being terrified of each other's germs? Like, I hope so. Because I really, previous to this pandemic, I was not a person that ever really worried about germs. Like, ever. Like, I was not germophobic at all all and now I just like freak out every time I'm in pre in the presence of other human beings I'm like I'm really hoping that that stuff will I mean obviously some of us will have PTSD for a while after the pandemic but surely like we'll be able to like slowly go back to normal again you know um and for me normal means not worrying about germs every fucking second okay then we get so Buffy's like furiously punching a punching bag in the training room at the magic shop. She's super angry and Riley shows up to talk to her and he grabs her arm three times in the scene. I fucking hate that shit. That's like a, an automatic, like, it's just like every time someone grabs a woman's arm in a TV show or movie and it happens so fucking much. I don't see why, like he would, surely he should know better to do that to her, right? Anyway, so he comes in and this is just a weird conversation. Like they haven't had an actual open like relationship conversation about like the shit that's going on with them. They haven't had a conversation about it yet. And I'm just kind of like disappointed in Riley as a character, how he decides to have this conversation, which my theory of he's already done could be backed up by the way that, by that, you know, like, I think he, as a psychology student, you know, like, that's his area of expertise. He should know how to approach her in a better, 
kinder, more thoughtful way. Like, I realize his emotions are involved and, like, he's not going to be completely perfect, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. I didn't like the way that he, he spent so much time talking about how much he loved getting vampires to suck his blood. It was just kind of excessive, you know, like at first I understand why he was, he was saying, you know, like why he did it. He explained a little bit about it at first. It was like, okay, all right, you've explained yourself. But then he goes on about like, these girls really needed me. Like they actually needed me, my body, my soul. They needed me. And like, okay, you're being a lot right now, Riley, like describing in detail, like essentially what this is an allegory of cheating, right? So can you imagine someone cheating on you and then describing in detail what it felt like to cheat on you? Like, essentially, that's what's happening here. It just seems really gross and excessive. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, and Buffy's like, why are you telling me this? And he grabs her arm and tells her, you need to hear this. Like, does she need to hear this? Like, she needs to hear... I mean, he needs to go into his own feelings and his, he needs to go into all the reasons why the feelings that he was having, the things that he didn't bring up when he should have that led him to these terrible actions, not the actions themselves. He needs to be talking about, and of course he says some of this stuff, but he needs to be talking about like, I don't think, I don't feel needed by you. I don't feel like you're in this as much as I'm in it with you. I don't feel the same. Like maybe they need to have a conversation about love languages, <laughs> you know, like Riley needs to tell Buffy what his love language is so she can give him more of the type of love that he needs, you know? Um, but it's just not a very productive conversation. And Buffy is, of course, she's kind of in shock and she's shut down and this is what she does. And I actually liked whenever she, um, let's see. I'm just looking through my notes, making sure like, let's get caught up to where we are and see if there's anything I haven't brought up yet. Okay. I liked it when Buffy says, like, this is it. This is me. This is the package. I liked it when she was like, if you're not okay with how I am and what I can give you, then you should go. And I know we're supposed to think that she's really closing herself off from Riley. And she is. She is closing herself off from Riley. But this really is the Buffy package. Like emotionally, she's not going, she's not going to be super needy of a boyfriend. She's not going to be, she can take care of herself. She needs a lot of time alone when she deals with emotional things. She deals with them on her own. She's like a take off and sort it out on a walk or in a slaying she goes on patrol, you know, like she sorts through things by like being a lone wolf. And like, if you're going to be in a relationship with someone like Buffy, the vampire slayer, then yeah, I think it's right for her to say, this is it. This is me. This is the package. If you can't take what I am, I think that was right of her to say that. 
Um, I thought this was weird. Like at the end of this conversation, like he's trying to stop, Riley's trying to stop Buffy from leaving and he like grabs her by the arm again. And she's like, take your hands off of me. And he says, or what you'll hit me. And then he like starts cajoling her to hit him. Like, Oh, Riley, like <laughs> you obviously need to get out of this relationship because for you, this is an abusive relationship. Kind of like, even though Buffy's not actually being abusive, this relationship is destroying him, you know, um, because he's subsumed his entire identity to her. He has given everything up for her, just like Xander says in the next scene. He like tells her, Riley has given everything up for you. He is completely in it with you when you're not completely in it with him, which is absolutely true, but yeah anyway i didn't i just didn't understand this whole hit me hit me like because he wants to feel something extreme from buffy you know he like at this point he's begging to be yelled at and hit because he wants to feel an extreme emotion from buffy even if it's bad and it's like oh honey that's not good <laughs> that's not good um Anyway, Buffy gets jumped by vamps after she leaves, um, and she kills them all, like, real fucking quick. She just kills them all. Um, Xander's lurking around, waiting for Buffy, um, because he knows something's up, and so he has, like, a little come-to-Jesus moment with Buffy. He forces her to listen to him, and he, um... Oh, oh, I just totally skipped over the fact that, like, in the course of this conversation between Riley and Buffy, Riley does bring up to Buffy that, um, you know, the military wants him back. He's leaving at midnight if she doesn't give him a reason to stay. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and Buffy's like, I don't like ultimatums. But I, I get that this isn't really an ultimatum. It's just like, dude, I got to make this decision right now. Like, are we imploding or are we going to try to work this out? Like, I get that that's what he was trying to say, that he wasn't literally trying to give her an ultimatum. It was just like, you know, but he also could have told her this shit the night before. Like... If he weren't intentionally sabotaging this relationship at this point, because he's done, and I believe that he is, and this is the first time I've ever actually thought that, um, the first watching of this show that I've ever actually thought, he's kind of trying to sabotage this. Because he found out about these military dudes, like at this point it was like 24 hours ago, because he got home late at night, and they were there, and they offered him the job. So he should have immediately gone to Buffy and told her about this and been like, okay, we got a lot of fighting to do. Like if it were me, like I would be like, well, there's a lot of shit that we need to talk about. We only have like 24 hours to do it. Let's get started right the fuck now. You know, like if we got to fight for 12 hours, um, let's go do it. You know, I would have been, but he didn't do that. He didn't go to her until it was like, 11 p.m. or some shit. He didn't have any kind of conversation with her until then. So even though he wasn't literally trying to give her an ultimatum, that is effectively what this is. 
because of the time crunch, and he didn't have to give her such a tiny time crunch. You know? Seriously. Um, and he should know her well enough by now to know that whenever she is having an emotional reaction to something, she has to take time. She has to, like, separate herself from the person that's giving her the emotions and sort it out on her own. She does that wide-eyed Buffy face, and she has to take the time. Um, anyway, so then Xander, Xander's lurking after she kills all those vampires, and he has a talk with her, like, because he kind of knows a little bit about what's going on, because Riley's a little bit confided in him, um, and he loves Riley, like, Xander loves Riley more than Buffy at this point, and he's sort of like, Buffy's like, well, I don't like ultimatums. I can't go after him. Like, it's not my decision to make, which absolutely right. It's not her decision to make whether or not he goes back to the military. But Xander's like, you can't let him go. If you, and he makes this great, wonderful speech, whatever. And it inspires Buffy to run after Riley. Um, but here's the last thing that Riley does that I think is like his, I'm done passive aggressive um you know he says if you don't show up by midnight i'm going you know and he's like waiting for her he's like looking into the woods hoping that she'll come at the last minute but then he gets on the helicopter and he chooses once he gets on the helicopter to not look back like he's been looking for her this whole time but he doesn't continue looking for her once he gets into the helicopter he's just like nope He's like pointedly looking away and he, and she's like screaming and she's right there waving her arms and blah, blah, blah. And I think that we're just supposed to think that, oh man, they missed each other. That's so sad. But it, instead to me, I'm viewing this this time around as he's done. He doesn't want to know if she comes this last minute, she doesn't want to, he doesn't want to know. And honestly, this is for the best. Riley wasn't happy. He wasn't choosing to do anything else with his life. He left the initiative situation. Not for Buffy, but, but Buffy was a part of the reason that he left. And then because of her, I mean, in some part because of her, like, knee-jerk reaction against like science and military type operations like she just was completely turned off by all military type operations because of this initiative situation like she gave it a try and then when they turned out to be evil she just wrote them off like that and every time he brought up anything that had to do with his military past she just completely shut him down and she was against it so that was shitty of her in general because like what was he supposed to do at this point like anyway <laughs> um i don't know i just like there was nothing else like when i think about riley as a character and i think i've thought about riley as a character more than most of the writers have at this point but it's it's sad that we don't get a little bit more of his interiority like a little bit more of his like dude I gave up everything and I don't know where I am now. I don't know where I stand now. I need a purpose. Um, I want to 
like there was no conversation of like maybe there was no conversation of what's next for me you know like Buffy wasn't concerned she wasn't asking him what do you what do you want to do now like we don't even know like is he still a teacher's aide of some kind does he still work for the school is he a student still even like I don't know like there's just like it's like I'm asking more questions about Riley's character than the writers are, you know, like I, it would have been nice if he was a more fully formed character, but we don't get that. We don't get it. And it's possible that Mark Lucas doesn't have what it takes to give it at this point in his career, even like you can't ever see what kind of fucking emotions are happening on his face, like at all. Like poor guy like i'm sure i I would be a much worse actor than he is at this point but still the boy got no charisma at this moment poor guy um but it's just kind of sad that like you know nothing was ever about him like he gave up everything to be there for buffy and i mean i guess he was still staying in like a dorm or like was he in a we don't know anything we don't know anything like he has his own place of some kind is it a dorm room is he still in a frat um we don't know anything about his life at all um and it's kind of sad because like it it totally makes sense that like he needs he needs time he needs time to figure out who he is and what his next steps are and in the kind of relationship that a person would have with Buffy Summers, you don't, everything is about her. Everything is about her world. You can't, you know, you would need to get away from her for a little while to figure out who you are, because how do you know who you are when you're in a relationship with Buffy Summers? (laughs) Like, I don't know. Poor guy. So I'm actually looking forward to the next time we see Riley. The next time we see Riley is in season six and he has like gotten married and his like his partner is a super cool badass chick and like he's doing his thing he's like doing his x-files thing and like whatever and like he's charming and interesting and like he's he's just gonna be so much better off psychologically his well-being is going to be so much better without his involvement with Buffy It's just, that's just how it is. Um, so I'm glad to see him go because now the healing can begin. (laughs) Like Buffy's going to be pretty upset for a few episodes, but I don't like Buffy with a partner. You know, like I don't really think that she should have a relationship. She's really not the type that should be trying to have a long-term committed relationship to another human being. That's just really... that's not really in the cards for her as far as I'm concerned. So I am looking forward to the fact that Buffy is going to be effectively single for the rest of the series at this point. Like, yeah, she has a reminder. If for some reason this is the first time you're ever tuning into the show, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. So of course we know, okay, there it is. I got it out there (laughs) that Buffy's going to have that whole thing with Spike, but it's not a real thing. It's not a relationship. It's, it's a fucked up psychological thing. And that's really the only kind of thing that Buffy, 
as a character should really be having in her life. Like she should just be having little flings with people or whatever. Like long-term relationships for a character like Buffy just don't seem feasible to me. So like, even though I've said many, many times that I think that Riley is actually the best boyfriend for Buffy, he was the most, um, the most well, I don't, the most sane, like not, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what did Michael say? I wrote down something that Michael said because I thought it was a really good um, I thought it was a really good, um, quote. Okay, here we go. A good boyfriend is boring and boring isn't good TV. <laughs> Cause he said something like, I agree with you that Riley is the best boyfriend for that Buffy's ever had, but a good boyfriend is boring and boring isn't good TV. <laughs> so let's just leave it on that. Shall we? I mean, I guess there's that scene at the very, very, very end of the episode where Xander, like, goes to visit Anya, um, and she's wearing her, like, she always has, like, old lady 90s, but she's, like, wearing an old lady-looking sort of 90, and, um, he goes to her and he tells her, like, I just want you to know, in case I haven't said it, that he basically just says that I love you. I, I love the way you move. I love the way you talk and blah, 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 which is nice to hear because most of the time we just see Xander correcting Anya and like criticizing her and like telling her how to act in front of other people. And I'm so sick of that fucking bullshit, Xander. Um, but in this scene, he's just telling her that he loves her, that he's crazy about her. And that's sweet, except for the part where he says, you make me feel like a man which I don't like that. I don't, I don't like it. I don't know, but that was a sweet little moment, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I'm happy that we finally get to like get closure on this whole Riley situation because even though I don't like hate, hate, hate Riley, like I agree with all the reasons why other people don't like Riley. Like he's just doesn't have a lot of charisma. He's just kind of boring and, like, I get it. I have like, okay, I've probably told you guys this before, but there was, I don't remember when I decided to do this. It was like three or four years ago. I decided to rename all of my lipsticks after Buffy characters <laughs> and just kind of like taking into account their personality and like, what kind of lipstick would they wear? And like my Drusilla lipstick is of course, like a super brownish blood, dark blood red, like Actually, no, it's not. My Drusilla lipstick is like a dark metallic purple color. <laughs> um, my Buffy lipstick is sort of like a, a deep, um, like white girl skin tone, like a tanned white girl skin tone, kind of like super light brown kind of. That's my Buffy lipstick. Anyway, renamed all my lipsticks after Buffy characters a few years ago. And the one that I named after Riley is just my lip balm <laughs> because it's boring. You use it all the time. You don't think twice about it. You don't even have to look in the mirror to apply it. Yeah. So just regular like Burt's Bees lip balm. That's my Riley lip balm. <laughs> just so you guys know. I'm putting on my Riley. I use it all the time, but it's very boring and I don't think twice about it. 
Oh, poor baby. Um, so goodbye to Riley. Um, pour one out for good old Riley Finn, because he's gone. We only see him on one more episode in season six, and he's much more fun than he is right now. I wonder if we'll be able to even see the difference of, like, Mark Lucas as an actor, because it's going to be, like, a year or a little bit more from now, possibly, whenever we see him again. So surely he's had several other jobs and he's been able maybe he just felt really really stunted in this particular role too and he was able to get better and branch out quickly once he moved on from his very first role hopefully that's the case um so pour one out for good old riley fenn he's gone and what else do we have to say um i guess we need to do like ratings and stuff object of the episode um, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think, is there anything cool that we saw in the background of the magic shop? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I have an object of the episode, this particular episode. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of cheat and jump over to object of the episode from the angel episode the very last scene that we see Darla and Drusilla in, Darla is wearing these, they're like, um, olive green snakeskin looking vinyl pants. And they look like they might be, I used to have a pair of like, they were vinyl. They weren't actually snakeskin, but they were like beautiful, dark olive green, sort of like snakeskin type pants. And, um, of course, I want them in my size, which is quite a few sizes larger than Darla's size, but I would like to have those pants again. They look like the same pants that I used to have back in like high school, and the, those were some fucking cool pants. I wish I had them again in my size. So that's the object of the episode, even though it's cheating because I'm choosing from the Angel episode, but whatever. Um, outfit of the episode... Nobody really wore anything that interesting in this episode. I guess I got to give it to Buffy with her, like, her brown leather pants, her fighting pants. So we'll give her that. She was also wearing, like, a dark red leather trench coat in that last scene. Um, so, sure, we'll give it to Buffy. Quote, quote of the episode is when Anya says, um, let's go back to it and say it again because it's fun. I dislike that Anya. She's newly human and strangely literal. It wasn't strangely off-putting. Strangely literal. That's the quote of the episode. Um, MVP. I mean, I guess we can give it to Xander. Let's give it to Xander because he is, you know, he is being empathetic. He is sort of paying attention. He is trying to be a good friend to Buffy. Like, I, I like this side of Xander of being sort of like somebody that kind of like hangs out and pays attention and jumps in when he feels like it's actually needed for him to do so. And I like that he's able to be confrontational to Buffy because sometimes people can't be confrontational towards Buffy. Like she doesn't really allow that, but he does it and he does it without fucking grabbing her arm. So 
Xander gets MVP of this episode. Five by five ratings. Um, so I think we're just going to do it like score out of five now because that just makes more sense. Um, I didn't like this episode. This episode was, I mean, it was fine. It needed to happen. The, the Riley breakup episode needed to happen, but I just didn't feel a lot from it. You know, like much as I defend Riley, I don't really have an emotional response to his exit except, okay, well, glad that's over, you know? So I don't know. I'll give this episode a two. Like, it's not bad. It's not one that I would necessarily skip over. Like, it's one that you watch, but there's not really a lot of good jokes in it, except for that whole thing about the chicken feet, even though this is the episode that comes right before Christmas, and there's, like, a slight nod to Christmas with, like, the banner that was up at the magic shop. Like, it's not a special Christmas episode in any way. It's not really a special episode at all. It just kind of furthers the plot lines that are happening at this point in the series, season, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll give it a two. That's it. Thank you guys for listening. Sorry that this is just sort of like, I feel like it's not a super exciting conversation to have as our last meeting of 2020, but um, I wish you guys all the best winter solstice, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Christmas, winter holidays, or whatever. Take care of yourselves. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself time and forgiveness. Um, do what you got to do. You know, like, I understand if like for your own mental health, you need to spend some time around people, even if it's not technically the best thing to do during a pandemic, like you got to weigh everything out. You got to do the best that you can just like do the best you can forgive yourself. Be kind to yourself. Take care of yourself. Like holidays are difficult. You know, they just are like, even when you're kind of taking it easy, like I am, like, I'm not doing a whole bunch of extra social stuff. I'm not like getting a ton of gifts for people or anything like that, but I'm still super stressed right now. You know, like just deciding to go get groceries. It's like, feels like facing the apocalypse, you know, like t give yourself time, self-care, all that stuff. And I will see you in 2021, my babies. So it's going to be another two weeks. Unless for some reason, well, no, it's going to be more than that, right? One, two, it's going to be three weeks because it'll be January 9th before we have another episode to talk about. So I will see you in three weeks unless for some reason I come hang out with you guys sooner. But I don't know. No promises. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are the best. I couldn't do this if no one was listening and I really enjoy doing this. So thank you for making it possible for me just by being here. I really appreciate it. I don't think I say it that often to you guys, but I really appreciate it. Like it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Like I don't get paid for this podcast, but it is so much fun. <laughs> if you're a 
possible sponsor, I will totally pimp your shit if you want to, <laughs> you want to pay me. Um, but yeah, um, you guys are the best. I love you a lot. See you in 2021. Bye.